Hey everyone, it's Sergio here. What you're about to hear is Tyler and I talking all about week 15 of the college football season and in our energy and our excitement to talk about everything that happened, specifically the Florida LSU game, you know, the shoe game. Yeah, that one. We completely bypassed Keontae Johnson and I wanted to come on here and just say a quick thing about Keontae in regards to what Tyler and I feel about the situation and hopeful for him. Uh, Keontae Johnson is a player on the Florida men's basketball team. He suffered, he, he collapsed. That's the only way we can put it. In the middle of yesterday's Florida, Florida State game in Tallahassee, uh, this game occurred at 11 a.m. Eastern, so before all the college football stuff happened, it was timeout, it was a timeout, and the reports are he just collapsed and he was completely rushed to the hospital. The entire team was shook. You could see when they came back from the timeout and the commercial break that they were all crying. Mike White was clearly shook, and the team did not play very well or focused after that, and that's understandable. One of their brothers just kind of collapsed, and they don't know what happened. Um, Keontae is still at a hospital in Tallahassee. He was rushed. There has been no updates since around 12.30, 1 o'clock yesterday. That is Saturday. Um, he is in critical yet stable condition. And associate, one of the associate athletic directors for Florida and coach Mike White are still in Tallahassee with him. Tyler and I and all of us here at the Sideline Judgment family, all of our listeners, we we are sending him all of our love, our hope, our prayers, and we want nothing but the best for him. Uh, if you want an update on things that are happening, I suggest you look at the Florida men's basketball Twitter account. They have been providing updates as often as they can, and we hope that we get a positive update from him soon. Keontae, you are a part of the Gator family. You are a part of the Gator Nation. We love you. We are praying for you, your family, and everyone that has ever come in contact with you. And we hope that you come back, recover from this, and represent the Gator Nation as well as you have been up to this point. So that's our words on Keontae, which you're going to hear. You will not hear Keontae in the rest of this episode. That's our fault. Um, but we did want to say something here at the beginning in order to pray for him and hope that he's doing the best. So without further ado... Here's the next episode. Keontae, we love you. Welcome to Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And today, Tyler, we are talking about everything that happened in college football during week 15 of the 2020 coronavirus season. We will talk all about things that happened in rapid reactions. We will talk about that five-wide two-point lead that has shrunk significantly just a, okay, for me. Just a little bit. like. Uh, excuse me. I was down seven. Spoiler alert. I am now down I am down five. Five. Now. You're down five. I, I gained some. some now that is Thank that is that, no, that's that that is a big deal. That is a big that deal. is a big deal. Uh, we are also going to have a post mortem. Uh, we are going to have a therapy session. We are going to talk out all of our feelings and also have a rational look ahead to what's to come this season and next season for our beloved Florida Gators after the 37-34 loss to LSU at home. But first, Tyler, we would have started with the Gators. But yeah, there was probably. some big news today in the college football world. Pretty big. Uh, a coach that we did not expect to be fired, we thought had immunity. We said weeks ago that he, they would just never do it. <laughs> and then they did it. Gus Malzahn has been fired as head coach of the Auburn Tigers. Um, his buyout is $21 million, Tyler. And 10 and a half of that is due upon 30 days from now. <laughs> Again, I want to be a college football head God, coach. so, so bad. I, I just be, need one. I want to be bad at being a college football head coach so bad. I want it so bad. Because <laughs> I, I, I don't generational... even care about being good. I would try, but like, and and it, this this will go into a larger argument that we'll, uh, we'll discussion we'll have later about 
a certain coach in Gainesville, Florida, in the sense yes. of just coaches like this is everything to them. Yes. Which is so like Gus Malzahn. If I got paid this amount of money to be fired, you would never see me again. Here's you would never see me ever again. I would accrue generational wealth for my kids, my grandkids, and most likely my great grandkids. That is how much money I would be making as an SEC, as a bad SEC coach. (laughs) After winning a game. So it's important to note that from what we have heard, um, Auburn had that $10.5 secured from their boosters. That's the reason they made this move. Even after winning a game against Mississippi State and dancing Mm -hmm. in the locker room. And very clearly, his players are not happy about this. um, Mm -hmm. But most players aren't happy about it when they're coaches. Well, Gus Malzahn is a player's coach, per se. Very much so. You you talk to players that have played for him. They love him to death. He's just not the most... uh, How does one put it, Tyler? He is not the most... Uh, It's actually really... Gus Malzahn's problems are very interesting because Uh he can recruit, in my opinion... He um he is an offensive mind but in my opinion the offense that he runs is not adjusted and it has college football has passed that offense by it's also very difficult to recruit to that offense in the sense of the player you need to effectively run it um right. and it but he's great he has he gets great players who else in the country would have three wins over nick saban that's the thing where he it's not like he hasn't produced the victory against his biggest rival you know he the issue with gus malzahn's auburn teams has always been inconsistency inconsistency the the joke for the last decade and he's he's been there for eight years or he was there for eight years and the joke over the past eight years was that if it's an even year it's going to be a bad auburn team if it's an odd year it's going to be a fantastic great auburn Auburn team team. and that's the thing where you cannot sustain a top tier sec program like auburn thinks it is and in their has, respect, the, has the potential to be has like, the potential to be they just haven't been that for the longest time but yeah. apart from a national championship that was gifted to them by cam newton um and with gus Mazan as the coordinator not necessarily the head coach in that in yeah. that system um it's been tough and i understand you're in the sec west you're in the middle of savings maybe the tail end middle it's it's debatable but you're definitely in still in the middle of nick saban's dominance at alabama just yeah. a few miles away your biggest rival and the fact that he got three you're closer wins to the them, end than the beginning but i don't think you're at the end just yet like when in 50 years tyler when we talk to our kids our grandkids about the pick about the kick six gus malzahn is the coach for that team yeah and that team and he will always went be, on to play in a national championship game and lost it at the was, last second i was gonna say that team was seconds away from winning a national title yeah so it's so, not like he was bad yeah, it's it's he was just inconsistent, thing. and I'm never gonna I'm never gonna get uh, I'm never gonna harp on a program, and this will go for the rest of the programs on this list. A lot of times, what happens with programs when they hire a coach that is of when it's debatable, because sometimes people right. hire fire coaches, um, and it's very clear the decision that was made. But sometimes in Gus Malzahn's case, they fire coaches. You can make a realistic argument of who else in the country is going to get you three wins in eight years over Nick Saban, mm-hmm. like who who else is going to do that? Who else is going to recruit you at this level? Who else is going to keep you competitive like this? But I'm never going to criticize a program for saying we think we should be better and making a move based off of that. Because who am and I? Who am I to say that you should not want more for yourself? I agree. Uh, I agree. You got to go about that smartly. And I think, in a, in a way, I think Auburn just had to pull the plug. I think mm-hmm. the South Carolina loss is probably what actually did it. Because again, Auburn wouldn't have just fired Gus unless they had that money saved up for for that yeah. buyout, and unless honestly, 
They've got their pick. They know who they're hiring. I think I think that's the case. And before we transition to who we think is going to take this Auburn job, I want to point out that the whole three wins against Nick Saban and, and in some of the greatest wins in Auburn history, or at least the most emotional wins yeah. in Auburn history, uh, you know, the double doink game, you had the kick six, you had the miracle of Jordan Hare against Georgia. That's another big one. Yeah, that's you had a big these one. games. Um, Tyler, those three games were kind of what kept him it's true. there for so long. Hey, we'll think, see, of, there- think of another think of another borderline top tier program that if they get the higher right, can't has the potential to become a dynasty, right? Because I think Auburn has the potential to be that. Potential. Wait. Well, pe- people forget that before Nick Saban went to Alabama, there was a period where Auburn beat Alabama for like seven straight years. Yeah. And Auburn was exactly. the better program. I think it, it's weird because the take is often to look at Al- Auburn will always be second fiddle to Alabama. And, and in an historical aspect, I think that's kind of true. But you mm-hmm. also have to realize that we are in the middle of the most dominant college football run of all time in Alabama. Yeah. And that's not going to last forever because right. programs come in waves and like – I know that I have a bunch of Alabama fans, and some of them might listen to this and be like, yo, we're going to get a great hire after Saban, and we're going to keep that thing rolling. And I'm like, the chances of that are slim. I, I can I can get, I can can get give you and I can kind of succumb to the point that you will get a good hire after Saban. Oh, yeah. But even, but even a good hire after Saban, not even Saban. a great hire after Saban, is not the greatest college football coach of all time. Yeah, so there will be a step backwards for them. And, and like credits to Gustavo for it's really hard to it's hard for a lot of these programs to live in the shadows of others, but to live in the shadow mm-hmm. of Nick Saban. Yeah. And even though he's beaten him three times, you'll never get out of that shadow. Um, and that that is one thing that we love those games, but it is indicative that of of Gus Malzahn's three wins, mm-hmm. only one of them I stay was an I would say was an actual like dominating win. That was the Jared Sitter and Carry on Johnson win over yes. the Jalen Hurts team in, in Jordan mm-hmm. Hare. Um, that was that was a game where they won by twelve points. That was a game where they dominated Alabama that game. But the double joint game and the kick six, as amazing as those games were, mm-hmm. those those are rivalry game games. Like yeah. those are those are rivalry madness. Yes. those are not go into the stadium and dominate Alabama. And you have credit for winning the game. I mean, like Florida Florida hasn't beaten Alabama since two thousand eight. Like um, right. Listen, as we as we write the epilogue for Gus Malzahn, I think it's important to note that. Despite Alabama being in the most dominant run a college team has ever been in in history, he managed to breathe life into the Iron Bowl and make it a competitive game most of the years he was there. Yeah, and that's that says something. That's, that's, yeah, who who uh, I think we both know who who we think uh, is going to be taking this Auburn job. Do we? Is it a is it a certain coach from Louisiana who turned down South Carolina? So it's so conveni- convenient that he turned down South Carolina. I was really surprised when that happened. Honest to God, like in the words of Cardi B, "How convenient is that? <laughs> hmm, how convenient is that? Yeah, it's uh, it's Billy Napier. It's Billy Napier. It's it's uh, safety went up five against Appalachian State. Great Billy Napier. Um, it's big. It's big brain. I don't have a long snapper Napier. Auburn saw that Billy Napier. Uh, they uh, he he actually finally beat the Alabama of his conference, and they were like, "Ooh, let me get some of that. <laughs> let me get some of that." <laughs> and I, I actually, I think Billy Napier would be a good hire. I think a lot of the other hires that are going to be floated out is Hugh Freeze. While Hugh Freeze, okay, from a content perspective, Hugh Freeze would be an amazing five-year run at, at Auburn. It would be so much fun. We would he would probably beat Nick Saban at least once. It would be so great. Nick Saban would hate it, and I'd be all here for that. Auburn, you would have to be selling your soul for the next seven years after that because yeah. we saw what a Hugh Freeze does to a program. And, you know, 
that could be you might get something good out of that but i don't <laughs> think Hugh freeze would be a smart choice i agree um, i think i think the smart choice is billy napier i think it's a i think it's a, co- a coach that has been has had his name thrown around for quite a couple of years now he's turned down a few other jobs he was in conversations or at least was amongst the coaches named with the Missouri job and the Arkansas job. And he turned all those jobs down because he was looking for the big one. And I think this is the job that Billy Napier is looking for. It'll, it'll be good. He's in a similar recruiting footprint. He can scheme very well. He has turned around that Louisiana program. I think it's going to be a, if they, we're, we're talking as if they hired him already. We're that that confident. Yeah. We're that confident. Um, We're that confident. I, I will say, as lo- I'm personally, personal mm-hmm. bias, I'm personally hoping that Billy Napier really loves whatever de- defensive coordinator he has at Louisiana and wants to bring him along, and that Kevin Steele is looking for a job soon, because Kevin yeah. Steele, I have a, I will go apartment, I will go mansion search for you in Gainesville, Florida. For free. I, I'll do it for free. I'll do I will it for pay free you, well. I will pay you to let <laughs> me pick your house for you. Oh, I will chauffeur I, you around. I'll take some time yeah. off work. Like, <laughs> listen, I'll take you. To, I'll take you to Miapa. I'll take you to all the games spots you want, buddy. Um, we'll go everywhere. By the I'll way, Swamp is up. coming back. I don't know if you heard about I that. I saw that, Tyler. I'm excited. I'm very excited. We need to. The next time we go to a game, we we're going to the sure Swamp restaurant. We're going to Swamp. All right, that's it on Gus Malzahn. A couple other coaches have been let go. Lovey Smith at Illinois. They have technically they've agreed to part ways, but we all know what, what that is. Coach yeah, speak yeah, for. Yeah. Um, Illinois had a had a miraculous season last year where they became bowl eligible. Um, Amazing. So Lovey Smith has gone there, and, and Lovey Smith gets a lot of credit for making Illinois better program than they were before he got there. But agreed. again, ceiling. Ceiling. Agreed. I but Lovey Smith is someone I can see getting uh another job trying to like build up a smaller program yeah maybe at a group of five level i i can really see lovey smith really dominating at that type of position and stuff so hope he lands on his feet and then kevin sumlin oh boy i texted you after the arizona arizona state game which ended uh arizona state 70 arizona 7 um which you know, we'll we'll talk about that Holy game a little bit. Crap. We'll talk about it later. I'm, but... we, we won't even talk about it later, Tyler. There's nothing to talk about there, dude. It was it was a wreck. We can do it now. That was Tyler's two point. He got those two points. I feel like I should deserve more two points than that. I, I feel you should deserve less for how easy of a pick that was. Uh, sure. Because but... we knew it was gonna happen. Yeah, no. Kevin I mean... Sumlin Ooh, buddy. lost his job. He is no longer coach at Arizona. And I texted you after the game, after you sent me the score. Um, or no, I texted you during the game and I said, I think Kevin Sumlin's going to lose his job at halftime. And I was kind of right. I mean, you're not going to announce that he lost his job at halftime, but I think about 15, I think after the first quarter, they were like, yeah, it ain't getting better. Like, and I feel bad for Kevin Sumlin. Oh, first of all, I don't be in the sense of he's going to get that generational wealth buyout. Um, get your money. Good sir. But Again, again, this is something because he, he can just parlay that on top of the Texas A and M money that he has. Yeah. So, Beautiful. um, but I will, <laughs> I will say that, and I, I feel bad because I really did think it was going to work out when he when he took the Arizona job, um, and it clearly hasn't. Yeah. Um, no, so it has not. Feels bad, but so unfortunate there. And then a little bit of transfer news: former UCF quarterback McKenzie Milton has officially announced that he is transferring to Florida State University. And uh, Tyler, when you 
when we look back in a couple of years and we see that Alexa and I are just bickering, I think we can trace it back to this moment right here. The moment that Mackenzie Milton sold his soul and went you up can't to stand him anymore we can't no you can't like <laughs> okay i have a question i can't stand you... him like i have in the past clearly you gotta but take a one I year still... break you gotta take one year break but, but can i still want him to do well sure can i want him to like yeah can i want him to throw for like 350 yards and two touchdowns a game but the defense be so bad after they lose these these leaders sure. that they lose like 45 42 each game can i do that yeah sure where his draft i want his draft stock to go up but the fsu losses to continue going down I'll, i will accept that i mean you okay. can do whatever you want but um i i don't That's have as go- i don't have have as deep an emotional connection to mckenzie milton i just appreciate him as a player like um yeah i will say so this transfer he's transferring to fsu Okay, from FSU's side, no-brainer. You need a pulse at the quarterback position. Mackenzie Milton is more than that. You Yes. W- they started four different quarterbacks this season. Trevor Purdy got injured. He's probably the future, but Mackenzie Milton's probably only going to stay for one year anyway. So, Correct. Um, I don't know I don't know what his eligibility is, but he has at least one year, and he's probably only mm-hmm. going to get that. You need a pulse. He has the track record. Um, from Mackenzie Milton's perspective, and this is – I don't know personally why you'd subject yourself to being behind that offensive line. But especially after like having a massive health risk. Yeah, and he hasn't played football. It's the other thing we that we just won't know how his injury has affected him. He has not played football in like two to three years. Yeah. In three seasons at least, and that's two calendar years. And that's pretty big. And I, I think I do think it was good because uh it's good for him because this is a place that he's he's the he's the starter. Yeah. He's the starter. Like yeah, if he's healthy, if he is actually cleared to go, and if he is fully 100%, he is unequivocally the best quarterback on that FSU roster yeah. at the moment. Yeah, the only problem this is, is – go ahead. This is a guy that in 2017 was the third highest rated quarterback according to PFF. Yeah. Like, he's good. He is good. He's a good college quarterback, and I just think that uh, – I, ho- I hope for his sake that Mike Gravel is able to improve the other aspects of his team's offense and his defense because the, the – they had a little talent. The biggest talent they have this year is gone. Mm-hmm. They're they are not looking good, and their recruiting rankings are not doing very well. So like, and we knew it would be a long rebuild with Mike Norvell. I'm willing to say that he he should get a lot of time. Yeah, but we won't know. And this this is the perfect. This is what they need at stock. They need a pulse at quarterback. Like I said, Mackenzie Milton is more than that. So yeah, we'll see. Agreed. Agreed. Time agreed. Will agreed. Tell. Time will tell. Um, that was probably the the like last bad thing to happen to me on this horrendous sports weekend that I've had. Um, But the biggest one is unequivocally Florida 34, LSU 37. Sorry, my journalism professor would have gotten mad at me. LSU 37, Florida 34. Um, Tyler, I think, I think we need to approach this analysis in a unique way. Okay. Because we typically, when the Gators do well, we typically like to talk about the stuff we did well and then harp on the small things that we can improve. When the Gators do poorly, we like to focus on those things we've done poorly and then kind of acknowledge some of the better things. Mm-hmm. We did so much mentally. We were so out of it yesterday that I actually want to start off with the things we did well because I think in order for us 
and by us, I specifically mean me, to <laughs> to to get through this these next 15 minutes that we're going to talk about the Gators. I think we need to start off with the things that we did well. We need to remember, because as Raul's been telling me for the past 24 hours, perspective, perspective, perspective. What were the goals at the beginning of the season, and did you achieve them? So we're going to start off with that. Tyler, what was the goal at the beginning of this season? Win the SEC East. And how do you win the SEC East? You beat Georgia. And what did we do? We beat Georgia by 16 and we points. Won, and we won the SEC East. Correct. And next Saturday, we actually have a game. On Tuesday, when we record our next episode, we actually have a game to talk about in regards mm-hmm. to the Gators. So that's a positive. The season, regardless of what happened yesterday, on a large macro level, is a success. Yes. Let's talk about that. Offensively, Tyler. Kyle Trask did not have his best game in the first half. Understandably so. Made some mistakes, which we will talk about later. But I want to remind everyone that Kyle Trask went 29 for 47, had 474 yards, averaged 10 yards a throw, and threw two touchdown passes. And ran for two more. And ran for two more. And on top of it all, with 23 seconds remaining in the game, with the ball at his own 25, was able to run three plays to get the Gators all the way down into field goal position that on a normal evening, Evan McPherson is more than capable of kicking a 51-yard field goal. All in a cloud. All in a cloud. All of us watching with the sky cam because it was so foggy, we couldn't use the normal cam. Couldn't which, see by the, the ball way, was going. Which, by the way, when we're on offense, I absolutely love that camera because I yeah. can see everything the, the quarterback view. Madden view. So let's call a fact a fact. The offense, in terms of generalities, had a good effective game. Yeah. Let's call that what it is. Defensively, LSU threw out a true freshman quarterback by the name of Mac Johnson, who had a relatively good game. He had 239 yards and three touchdowns. And LSU... Ended up moving the ball on us more than we would like. They had a total of 179 rushing yards. Yes. And again, those 239 passing yards. So in overall, not the best of games. But when you factor in how the defense played this entire season, this was a generally good performance. When you factor in yeah, how this play, defense played. Play to play. Yeah. Play like, to play. Like on a play, play to play to basis, play. It, was, it was okay. Now that we have given the credit where credit is due... We need to talk about all of the crap that went wrong. Because I did all of that to talk myself off a ledge. Because okay. we're going to start from the backwards. We're going to go back? We're going to okay. go back. <laughs> okay. There has been a lot of... There has been a lot of aggression. There has been a lot of anger. And there has been a lot of just unprocessed emotions thrown at Marco Wilson on Twitter on message boards, on Reddit. Half of me says, he is a young guy. He made a mistake. But the other half of me says, Tyler, how do you throw a shoe 20 (laughs) yards down the field? This is not some mental error. This is not some mental lapse. I saw Chad Wilson on Twitter talk about you. I'll remember who said what. Good. I want you to remember this. 
A seven-year-old peewee football player knows not to throw a shoe. Dan yeah. Mullen, take some accountability for your players. Do not put in a so-called senior leader back into the football game after he unequivocally, without a doubt, has the entire Gator fan base bamboozled, run amok, and led astray. And flat out deceived. Flat out deceived. Because if you're going to look to me in my face, Daniel, if you're going to look at me in my eye sockets and tell me that you did not understand, that you did not see the shoe be thrown, that you didn't know that was a penalty, you have no accountability of your players. That's what you're telling me, Dan. That's what you're telling me. It, it is important to note, and this is part of me agreeing with you. Uh, I think you got We always have to remember about Dan Mullen is that Dan Mullen does not take losses well. He does not. You're and right. Most coaches don't, but he does not. Uh, he's historically bad at taking losses. And, and yes, Mississippi State people seldom cared. But um, dare I dare I say he is an all time sore loser? Dare oh yeah, I say all time, all time. I think that. Um, Sorry, I got so aggressive. No, no, like no, that, no, no. This that is was the like major therapy. one that I had on my chest. I so had to let that one out. What 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 we always say on this podcast is yes. bad calls happen, bad plays happen, you gotta overcome. Additionally, it's very hard very seldom is one game boiled down to one play. This yes. is close to being one of those moments considering the situation that Florida's in. That was a third down stop. It was pre midfield. LSU can't do anything. It was a third and nine. They were punting. Um, they were they had to punt with two minutes left. You're uh, I think you're either you're tied at that point. You're tied. We're tied at 30 Florida points. can Florida. It is an that was the game. A, that was, that the, was game. the game. That was the game. We, and Marco LSU punts. LSU punts. We get the ball back. And as I said before, if Kyle Trask can drive down the field in 23 seconds to set us up for a field goal, I can guarantee you that Kyle Trask gets us to at least a field goal to win the football game. Yeah, I agree. And I actually will say going a little bit further from that, the. Uh, mm-hmm. The time the timeout called it with thirty seconds left. Uh, yeah, did when the LSU was running on the field to kick yes. out to kick the kick. I actually agree with that, and it ended up being the case because if he makes it, which took a Herculean effort to make, regardless because of mm-hmm. the, the fog and how far it was, if he makes it, you now have like twenty seven seconds ish to make it down the field. If you run all that time to keep them all like jittered up, and he makes it still, you lose the game. And Florida right. got themselves. Kyle Trask got Florida. In a time when he couldn't see the ball, um, he got them into a position to win in the final seconds. And then Evan McPherson, which and then he, he let missed. Me, let me, for transparency, I was losing it when we called the timeout because I was out here thinking, oh, they're rushing. They're not going to do it. Blah, 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 blah. And I lost it. And then I had to calm myself down and realize that was yeah. unequivocally the smart football thing to do. And I apologize. I, people- I know you weren't there. I apologize to everyone for actually overreacting in that moment. I'm yep. being honest here. <laughs> I can see both sides of it. I and yeah. it, I ended up being – I felt like I was validated in the way that I, I chose to see it because that's exactly what happened. Florida got into field goal range um, with by, by taking that timeout. Well, I mean, it's 30 seconds. It's not like four seconds you have to rush onto the field. For the, 30 right. seconds is a long time in football yeah. for, a, for a field goal team to rush onto the field. Anyway, um, yeah, so yeah. – Going back to the Marco Wilson's shoe thing, mm-hmm. it's – I don't want it, – it's hard. Okay, it's hard. I always talk about this with the general thing with, with programs. It's like I'm a firm believer that college kids do stupid things. doesn't matter how good or bad they are. Everyone does a stupid thing at one point. You we can't both blow did. down a program's 
um, entire ability to control their kids to off your kids uh, off of a college student's um, bad decision. Mm-hmm. So in in a, in a way, I don't want to like blame anyone but Marco Wilson for making that play. However, it is absolutely appalling to me that he makes that play and. Dan Mullen and his staff show absolutely no accountability in that in that fashion, and that Marco Wilson is still on the field. Yeah, that's the bit. I think that's the bit. I think that it's hard for me. It's it's hard for us to say that that's the bigger issue, but I feel like that's the more lasting issue because that play is gone. In that moment, that play is done. Like you said, college kids. We both did it all the time. College kids make stupid decisions. Football players are not. Yeah, and he did. He made a stupid decision, but you need to hold him accountable. Because yeah. he supposedly that's what tells if you're a program, if you're a good program or not. Is exactly what you, what you do when you're when your college students, when your college athletes do the stupid things. What do you exactly. do about that? And if you and if 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 Florida as a program wants to be taken as seriously as the Clemsons, as the Alabamas of the world, if you really want to, you need to hold that kind of accountability. You need to go ahead. Saban is out here criticizing his offense or criticizing his defense after a blowout win against Arkansas, where they gave up He's three at- points. Where they gave up three points. He's out here criticizing Mac Jones because he can't throw a touchdown in a game where they dominated. Meanwhile, Marco Wilson has quite literally I think it's safe to say that might be the dumbest play in Florida history. It's, that it's might, very it's it's up there. It's definitely top five. I can't think of one that's worse. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I can't. There probably except, might except be. for maybe except for maybe every Treon Harris snap ever had. But you know, man, that's another story. Yeah, that's um, more of a yeah, it's more of a systemic thing but there. But you can't you cannot allow for Marco to be on the field, and that is where I want to go into this discussion, Tyler. Where Mullen in the press conference after the game was definitely not taking accountability. He said that the game was on the offense. Me talking about Kyle Trask this entire time, we haven't even gotten to the turnovers yet, but me talking about Kyle Trask to start the the segment was because I wanted to point out that the offense actually did a pretty decent job. They put up 34 points. We had over 600 yards of of offense. 609 yards. Take out the zero. That's pretty nice. All right? So we needed to go in there. We we produced. Thank you very much. I was trying to lighten the mood. (laughs) We we produced. All right, yeah. we made some mistakes, understandably so. But at the end of the day, we produced. The game was not on the offense, Dan. Yeah. The game was not on the offense. Or the first so half, yeah, the first half was bad on the offense, but then they they got it together in the second half. But but I understand some of the offense blunt, offensive blunders. But you know what would have helped the offensive blunders, Tyler? If okay. maybe the most dynamic player in college football, the most unguardable player in college football, who is warming up before the game, oh, yeah. who has been game planned throughout the entire week isn't scratched 10 minutes before kickoff because you want to hold him out for next week. You need to, in the words of the great Herm Edwards, my favorite Pac-12 coach, you play to win the game. You yeah. have to win the game in front of you. If your goal, what that told us was that his to his importance was not on a national championship. It was on an SEC championship, which on a small scale, understandably so. You got to win the SEC championship before you deal about the, the, the college football playoff. But then don't compare yourself to the top programs. Accept yeah. that we are right now a notch below those top programs. And in order for us to break that glass ceiling, you need to do some of these things, right? Yeah. You can't sit Pitts. Pitts is on the sideline on his phone, probably texting all his boys and saying, man, I could be smoking these guys. I, I don't – so, yeah, my, my entire thing with this game, to, and there's a lot I go into, is that, like, at every single turn, uh-huh. something messed up for Florida. Yep. I don't think I think it's fair to say Marco Wilson doesn't throw that shoe. Florida wins. Evan McPherson makes that field goal. Florida obviously Florida wins. Um Kyle Trask doesn't throw either of those interceptions. Just one of those interceptions. 
or the fumble at wins. the end or the, of the fumble. First half. Florida probably wins. Um, Todd, I mean, obviously Todd Grantham doesn't call that corner, but it's Florida wins. Kyle Pitts plays is a presence. I think that they win. Kyle Pitts is breathing on the field. <laughs> Kyle Pitts just Kyle Pitts very Kyle Pitts could not be throwing the ball at all, but his very presence on the field would have made the offense run smoother. And Florida stalled on the red zone because their run game has kind of disappeared. Yeah. And without Kyle Pitts in the red, the red zones where the difference was. Yep, I agree. Florida, if Florida scores from the one yard line on their first drive, Florida probably wins the game. Yeah, because that's how. There's... And I, I want to clarify here that when we look at when we take this out the season, I'm not. You know me. I don't like to overreact about these things. Right. Um, that's my job. Yes. Yeah, that's that's our, our yin and yang here. That's I'm our dynamic. Very cool headed about these things. <laughs> Although you have taught me to be a bit more cool headed, and I appreciate that. Yeah, and and you've taught me that it's okay to have a hot take every once in a while. <laughs> um, but Florida is six points away from being undefeated, and I don't know if that's more frustrating or, or encouraging to me. Like to, it's encouraging so to me, that, to me that's frustrating. Yeah, because last year the the famous phrase was how big is the gap between Florida and Georgia. And Mullen said, it's a touchdown. When we all saw the game and we all knew it was more than a touchdown. Yeah. So for us, for us, for for this the phrase and, and the sentence to be, we're technically six points away from being undefeated, great, wonderful. But that's not the reality. Because yeah. if you're six points away from being undefeated, like you said, so many things that go differently, one of those things go differently from yesterday's game, Florida wins the football game. But if we win the football game, did we really improve as a whole of the program? Are we moving forward if we're just kind of scraping out these games? The defense has been horrendous the entire season. That's not how Florida plays football. That's not the brand no. of football Florida has had for the past 10, 15 years. Yeah. You know? The, yeah. the national championship f- formula for Florida under Urban Meyer was have a dynamic offense led by Mullen with a great player like Tebow and Percy Harvin and those guys, but also have Brandon Spikes on the other side. Like have dynamic yeah, have, defensive yeah. players that still kept that Florida defensive brand that we've had in the 21st century. And I don't think, and this, this all, I, I say this all to like bring it back to um, Florida's made this, Florida's been playing with this fire all season. And most of the time they, they're a fire dancer. Most of the time they've caught the stick, but twice they haven't. And the problem is, is that they've, they've made this bed. They have been sleeping in this bed and mm-hmm. this is the type of football they've chosen to play. And a lot of that all comes back, all comes back to Todd Grantham and the defense and specifically the, unwillingness to sit players for seniority you want to you want to play your leaders you want to play your best players and i get i value seniority and experience a lot too however not if not when not when things like this happen not not when marco wilson is getting beat 15 yards off there's a play where he is straight up 15 yards off the lc receiver yeah like he gets shook fifth he should get shook an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty away um (laughs) was he wearing shoes uh, he might as well not been um but (laughs) I couldn't see it because of the fog. Is it, oh. is it too <laughs> – okay, all right. You weren't joking. All right. I didn't know if it was too early to joke, but you threw a joke back at me, so we're good. <laughs> yeah. But – so so this is – and this also goes back to – Todd Grantham is who he is. He is who he's always been. And I, I have the whole thing that – I think the first two seasons with Todd Grantham's defense were actually pretty good, largely because of talent and things like that. But mm-hmm. and I but I don't actually think – I buy that argument because Florida's recruiting rankings have gotten better every single year that Dan Mullen has been here. Right. Um, however, they consistently play McIlwain recruits because of seniority. And what I – the part of that is is that the first two years Todd Grath was here, he is teaching a simplified version of his defense because it's so complicated. But mm-hmm. because he has to teach a simplified version, that's why it's actually good defense. Now, third year, he is te- – he, he feels he actually has with these seniors the full grasp of his defense. And guess what? It's over. It's overly complicated. 
because they're not, and they're just not good enough blitzing at the worst time. LSU receivers that should not be getting as much cushion as they do are waltzing into the end zone that a five-year-old can make that score. Um, because you're, you're blitzing both of your corners and also on your pass heavy side of the field. And part of it is just uh, your defensive breakdowns are going to happen. Yeah, sure. But, and this goes a little bit for me. I've talked with some people that are good friends of the pod that I will not name, uh, about basically, uh, keeping them from walking off the ledge. Mm-hmm. Um, because that is my job in life, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> You're a good uh, friend. That's why. I yeah, but I've been trying to tell them to calm down. Calm down. A lot of them, rightfully, and the right to feel this way because it's a very. It, this hurts. This loss hurts. This is the most inexcusable loss I think I've seen. Not the worst loss I've ever seen Florida take, but the most inexcusable. There's no reason. There's nothing you can think, point to to excuse what happened yeah. in this game. Like, I, I think you can say multiple things about this game where it's not the worst loss because. I was there for that final must-champ game where we got blown out by Missouri at homecoming. I was there. Um, That was a bad loss. That's probably the worst loss I've seen in person. But I can tell you this, Tyler. I've seen – I was there for the last season of must-champ. I was there for all the McIlwain years. Um, Those are my home games at UF. And I've seen some bad losses. This this one hurts the most. As a fan base, this one hurts the most. This one – has parallels to 2001 Tennessee, which we do not remember because we were too young. But the old heads, I don't want to say old heads, but the older generation. The parallels are weird. They, the they're very strange. A bad team. We sat our best player in that in the 2001. Our best players were hurt. Um, yeah. It cost us a chance at the national championship. Mm-hmm. Um, it was rescheduled because of a national, or in this case, international tragedy that happened. Coronavirus. Yeah. In that case, it was nine eleven. Um, but <laughs> I, um, it's rough. I, I'll say that. Like, here's the thing: the reason it's most inexcusable. You had six hundred plus yards of offense with your Heisman caliber quarterback. You had a chance to kick the field goal late. You were at home on senior night. It's a three and five LSU team that has straight up given up. Had less than fifty three scholarship players. Um, there's no reason for this, but this all comes back to a lot of people want to go ahead and right now, and I hate when people do this, they want to right now put long-standing, long-term parameters on what this particular game means for the program less than 24 hours after it has occurred. I hate doing that. I hate doing that with other teams as well. Because we won't know what the, we won't know if this is a turning point in Mm -hmm. Florida's program until like three years from now at, at, at most, like, Right. Three. We won't know. However, like this, I will say, I do believe this is this is a turning point for Dan Mullen in the sense that I think Dan Mullen is one of the best coaches in college football. However, if he really wants to be an elite coach, the elite coaches are able to look in, look at what they have, and look at problems and identify their problems and fix their problems. And Dan Mullen has did, never fires coordinators; he only fired one in his career. And a large part of that is that Dan Mullen, nine times out of ten, is the smartest man in the room. Yeah, nine times out of ten, he's the smartest man in the room, and that, that's why he's so good at offense. He's he understands football so well. However, when he's wrong, is he he doesn't understand that. It comes with sore losing, and it comes also with I think hires. He he has made almost exclusively great coordinator hires in his career. Per, Peter Sermon was the only one that didn't work out, and then he hired Todd Grantham to replace him. So can I so can I ask you a question then, Tyler? So. I understand that, and I agree with you. We can't put long-term parameters on a short-term result 24 hours after the game. I get it. But is there not a respectable argument to be made that in terms of 
Mullen's response to this game. In terms to Grantham continually not making changes to his defense. In terms of leaving Marco Wilson on the field after the most inexplicable play of the season in all of college football. Isn't that a sign of, I don't want to say culture, because I think culture is a more widespread word. And I think the culture at Florida is relatively good. But isn't that a, isn't that a sign of maybe massive problems that need to be changed? And and like you said, it's not the first time that these things have happened, right? Dan Mullen, football genius, a brainiac. I agree with you. One of the best coaches in the country. Not on the par with Dabo or Nick Saban yet, but who is, right? But if you want to get there, he needs to do all the things that you said. He has not shown us that he's willing to do those. So why now? Why do you think this is going to be different than the A&M game? Why do you think this is different than the times in Mississippi State? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's that's the, that, that's the thing is that like we won't really know. Mm-hmm. That's this is the turning point because if he wants to do that, he's got to, he's got to do it now. Uh-huh. And I'm not, I'm not saying I believe that he will or won't or hell, maybe one of the best things in the world would be somebody does it for him. Like, mm-hmm. what if Virginia Tech hires Todd Grantham? They've they've talked about it. They love Todd Grantham at Virginia Tech. What if Justin Fuente leaves and they hired Todd Grantham? Mullen didn't even make that decision, but the decision's been made for him and it works out. So we won't know like the turning point. Like. I feel pretty confident that it's one of those things that, like, this is... You could look at this moment and recognize, I think, that it is important. Because mm-hmm. I think it is. Because it's been a whole season. This And it it's so indicative that this happened at the very end of the regular season, on senior night. That the entire family's just incensed. I mean, I'm... I you know I was upset I was hurt by it but like I can't I can't listen to the podcast that I usually listen to because it hurts me too much to listen to them yet yeah I may and, not listen to the reviews from this week like I do every week because I know this is the biggest story in college football this week and it hurts me I it yeah. physically I had a hard time sleeping last night it physically hurts me yeah so and I get it I I just when I, when I say I don't want to put long term implications with one thing I think the biggest part of that what I mean is really more of I've seen people and I've talked to people that are that think this now is, indicates that this in the future is going to happen. Okay. We can't do that. We can recognize that this is the moment that will – this is the turning point that will lead to one of these many outcomes. But you can, you can recognize can that moment. We can go two ways. We can go two ways now. You can recognize – I completely – and I'm on the board of this. This is the moment, the end of the season, this game in particular is the moment where – and Dan Mullen doesn't have to make that decision right now. But this is the moment where Dan Mullen's got to decide – if he wants to take that next step, if he's willing to accept that he may not know everything, and I'm, you know, you if you have to wait till the off season, I get it. You can't just replace defensive coordinators in the middle of a college football season. The week before a conference championship game. <laughs> yeah, like that's that's unrealistic. That's a yeah, terrible I decision. It. Like, I get it. Um, but after this season, he's got to make that choice. We can recognize that this is the moment where he can go and make multiple decisions. And again, that decision might get made for him. Right. And honestly that may be better or worse or sometimes these things happen decisions get made for you look back at it and you now realize that you should have made that decision and that makes you better who knows we can recognize that that is that is where this moment has led us but i don't think we should go ahead and say okay but we know now that okay damn well it's not gonna work out of florida that's ridiculous we don't know that but this is a big moment because florida florida is in if you if you consider if you if you don't keep alabama in with the top of like Florida's a tier two college football program right now. Correct. Like for uh, Alabama, Clemson, and I, I would say Ohio State are tier one programs. Mm-hmm. Florida's in tier two. 
we ultimately don't want to be in tier two. You want to be in tier one. Florida has yeah. the DNA and the national championship structure to do that. And it, it took a while to get to tier two where Florida is right now. Mm-hmm. And we can still like, I could still celebrate that. And this is, this is a, this is going to sound so stupid, but this is a great thing to have as a problem. <laughs> like this is no, a no, great problem it, to have. I get that. It hurts, I get that. but it is a great problem to have. I, I would, I would with, trade. I live in the panhandle. I'm friends with a lot of FSU fans. <laughs> this is a great problem to have. Tyler, <laughs> don't even, don't even look that far with FSU. I was a student during the last, we Mush both Champ were year, students. The, the last must champ year and the McIlwain years. Listen, we get it. I, as much as yesterday hurt, as much as it still hurts, I would much rather have this kind of pain than the continual just embarrassment that was the last must champ and the McIlwain years yeah. in terms of an offensive product. I get it. I get it. But I, you can't I be agree complacent. with But you can't be complacent. And I think that's a good way place to kind of bookmark it here. Um, Tyler, are we losing to Bama by more than two scores or less than two scores? I think more, but... You said that so like... <laughs> like... Like I'm pretty sure that, more. You said right? that like Sergio. Like, what kind of question is that? Of course we're losing I, by more than two yeah, like, I'll I'll fully I'll get on the bandwagon. Like in it, I may I may end up thanking LSU for this because it is going to lessen the blow when we lose to Alabama so much. Like, yes, yes. Like, That's and, what, I, I, and I expected yeah. beforehand to lose to Alabama, but now I won't be whole. Thomas Goldcamp did tweet, and I didn't think this was funny that with the kind of year this is, if Florida beats Alabama, I would not be shocked. So now I'd be shocked because. My football wise i don't see that happening but well number one i don't see it happening football wise number two i don't want that false sense of confidence obviously i want to win the sec like i get i will celebrate you play to win the game you play to win the game but i have a i'm afraid that if an act of god were to happen and we were to win the football game um i would be afraid that that false sense of confidence that that Mullen won't take that road that we want him to take and we'll say, hey, we won the SEC. We beat Alabama. And he'll go off on his maybe Ohio State should be playing more football games BS that he was on after the game. Which, by the way, that's a phrase where while I agree with him in earnest, that that is a true statement that I think that maybe – That was a sore loser time to bring up that argument. It was a horrible time to bring up that (laughs) argument. You can't bring it up there because you look like a sore loser. You lost. Which you are are a sore loser. Ohio State didn't lose to a 3-5 LSU team. Exactly. Like, Um, that's my issue. I I agree with the statement that I think Ohio State should play more games. I just disagree with, A, the timing and the situation. I also, real quick, will just just say I I agree because uh, it'd be a bit of a hollow SEC championship victory. Yeah, and I think losing this game probably lo- and here long term implications. I'm a you you've instilled this in me. I'm I actively rooted for my f- professional football team to lose today. Tanking works. Um, but hashtag t- TM hashtag trademark tanking pending. works. Yeah. I, I, Mullen losing this game and then the next SEC championship game may, you know, that may make changes in the sense. Or if he had won it, or if we had we had gotten there with one loss and we lost that game, we'd be like, oh, we're so close. But now it's just like. Well, we thought we were closer than we are. Maybe this that is, will make changes. We don't know. It could be the best thing that ever happened to the program. It could not. We don't know. Like I have found, I have in this conversation, I have come to realize that this is not the worst sports moment I've ever had. The U.S. missing the World Cup was the worst sports moment. Oh, but I, I was. <laughs> but I, you remember me that evening? We sat in a little kitchen as student activities involvement, and yes, we had you that, walked yes. in to do the podcast. You're like, I don't want to talk about it. Yep. Yep, we remember that very, very vividly. But what has what good has come from that? 
We have fantastic players across the globe playing in the best leagues, playing scoring in the Champions League against Barcelona. We, we have a good young team. I'm hoping that this can come from it. The Kentucky loss when the streak ended. So much good came from that from loss. that moment. And that's what we have to look forward to. Because when we say in all kinds of weather, we mean fog. And this is the fog right now. All right? Yeah. We were in the fog last night. We were in it right now. We got to see it through. And we need to hope <laughs> and we need to pray that our head football coach yeah. makes those changes and, that you said. And I think – I don't think that it's all of a sudden Florida's – I've seen some people – I don't think Florida's suddenly going to be bad next year. Like, No, no. I th- Florida's going to be a really good team next year. Yeah. <laughs> like, They're going to be a good team every year under Mullen in my opinion. But if Mullen wants to be a great team, he will have to be able to find a way through the fog. Yeah. Listen, that my, is a great my, way. my dream ahead. scenario, my dream scenario to end the season, we're going to lose to Alabama, so let's just chalk it up. That's three losses. Uh, Todd Grantham goes to Virginia Tech, doesn't coach the bowl game, and then we end up winning the bowl game, end the season on a high, get a trophy, you know what I mean? That kind of stuff. And we can look forward, make those changes, and the improvements for next season. So that's yeah. how I feel. That's how I feel. Right. Um, let's move on. Let's move on. And I want to quickly say, I was texting my cousin Vinny, LSU alum, big LSU fan. He was very nice to me yesterday. He understood the situation. Um and at a certain point, we were talking, and I said, hey, credit to your guys. Less scholarship guys available, this and that, a bunch of young guys. And I do want to give LSU credit here. He said They won just, the game. He said it was just a bunch of young guys that didn't know any better. And my response to him was, hey, sometimes it's good to have a bunch of young guys that don't know any better. It oh, was most like? of those guys. It was most of those guys' first or second time in the rivalry game. Yeah. And they didn't know any better. So no. good on them. Congratulations to LSU. I don't ever say that. I don't think Todd Grantham's ever heard that statement, but um. I don't think he has either. Um, all right, we'll wrap that up on the Florida talk. That was the majority of this pod, anyway. Um, we had to get these things out. Yeah, we'll go uh, quickly I, through these games. I'm gonna call it the shoe game, Tyler. I think cleat gate. Think, you're gonna cleat gate. I don't like cleat gate. I don't like putting my, my gate. dad calls it. Cleat gate. I, I I saw. It. I don't like putting gate at the end of just random. The greatest you know? shoeman. No, I don't. The like greatest that show on in fog. It's the shoot game, dude. It's the shoe game. The shoe We're game. We're going to know it as the shoe game, dude. We're it's going to be the shoe game. game. I did like on Twitter, I did see. There's a Marco Polo joke about shoes and fog somewhere in here. I'm not smart enough to make it up. but Well, Marco Polo was playing Marco Polo with the shoe. He threw it. Yeah, said, Marco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And see, that's not, that's, see, it's too long. It's not catching it's up. Shoe, it's the shoe game. You're right. I did see one on Twitter that said uh, the cleat eat. That was fantastic. <laughs> that was That was gold. <laughs> We don't have tweets we shared today, so I wanted to share that with you. <laughs> Cleat Yeet, which is just cool. Alexa tweeted and then subsequently deleted. She was like, she said, um, she tweeted a joke and then in parentheses was like, Sergio is in mourning and is in a lot of pain, so please send your well wishes, but this is hysterical. And when he feels better, I'm going to joke about it with him. So I feel like yeah. I can text her now and be like, all right, bring the jokes. They're pretty funny. Let's do it. Yeah. Quickly, and I mean in the most rapid reaction possible, Tyler. Let's okay. go through these I'm ready. games. I'm ready. Utah 38, Colorado 21. I may or may not have allegedly placed a live bet on this game on Colorado. Did not go well for me. As I said, one of the worst sports weekends of my life. Game in the snow. Looked beautiful. Jake Bentley looked good. I mean, he's still Jake Bentley. Um, but, Utah, but looked good. Yeah. Colorado is, is now 4-1. and one. Utah is, I believe, 2-2. Two and two. Mm-hmm. I think in a normal year, Utah would be a better team. I agree. Um, but still, I, I mean, good on Colorado. They, they showed up. It was it was fun. All right, Shout out on. to uh, Jerry Rice's kid on Colorado. Out here balling. Yeah. Two touchdowns yesterday. Looked really good on punt return. I think he took a punt back to the house, too. Looked really good. 
Rutgers 27, Maryland 24 in overtime. Rutgers! Rutgers Red King of New Jersey! <laughs> he doesn't even pump his own gas! <laughs> Let's go, Greg Schiano. Uh, Once again, Tennessee does not have more wins than Rutgers. Tennessee does not have more wins than there Rutgers. There was My a mom- period of time on Saturday where <laughs> Rutgers had more wins than Tennessee volunteer football. Yes, it was. Yes, there was. It was short-lived, and- but it happened. God, I, I, we need to put Rutgers in a bowl game. Put Rutgers in a bowl game. Everyone's eligible this year. Give it to them. Give it to them. Oh, man, the pinstripe bowl is canceled this year. They should have played the pinstripe oh, bowl. It would have been awesome. Penn State 39, Michigan State 24. This was a just ugly one. <laughs> it was um, just. Once ooh. again, any team that loses to Penn State, whose entire offense is literally just running Sean Clifford and Will Levis <laughs> into the box. That is, that is Penn State's entire offense. And it's occasionally, all of their occasionally throwing a bomb to Jahan Dotson. Occasionally. Ugh. Maybe. If they feel like getting fancy. As a treat. But they generally just run Sean Clifford into the line of scrimmage. And somehow, they drop 39 points with that. Well, it's because it's they play Michigan State. That's why they drop yeah, 39 points. Yeah, that's why. That's why. Um, in, in a game where Justin Fuente, I don't want to say saved his job. He didn't but, save um, his job. Definitely, I, maybe... I genuinely do not think he saved. His okay, job. cool. Virginia I think Tech... he saved his job for a few days, Virginia... <laughs> until they go back to practice. He would like, have been fired oh. after the game if he if he had lost to Virginia again. So so but... basically, he just wanted that extra health insurance, right? That's what he wanted. Yeah, Virginia awesome. Tech thirty three, Virginia fifteen. No um, more, nothing else to say about this game. No, nothing else. Stanford twenty seven, Oregon State twenty four. In an awkwardly exciting football game. Yeah, I love the awkwardly Pac-12, exciting man. football game. Oregon State threw a pick to end the game, and I was like, no, because I really want to see Oregon State do well. Um, yeah. it was a good, good game. It was back again, and forth, back and forth. Good on Stanford, man. They are homeless right now. Like, shout yeah. out to them. Beat Washington last week. Oregon State this week. Good on them. Sometimes you just need young guys who don't know any better. Sometimes they're young guys. They're a young do not team, and they don't know any better. They're just that's very yeah. true. Sometimes no it one pays. told them they're supposed to be struggling on the road. No one told them. FSU 56, Duke 35. So we've talked a lot about how FSU is basement level bad. I just think this goes to show everyone who hasn't been watching Duke, which I understand. No one watches Duke football. Um, this is how bad Duke is. They got blown out yeah. by FSU. This is how so bad Duke is. It is important to note. Um, I I talked to my several of my Florida State friends about this last night. Mm-hmm. FSU has never lost to Duke, and this would have been if they had lost to Duke this year. This would have been the like all time rock bottom level bad. Like props to them for not doing that. Like when we lost like, to Vandy. Uh, you mean when we lost to Georgia Southern? That was the same season, so it doesn't. Like, it, it's all it's all what it's blur. That was the year before. We still beat Tennessee that year. It's <laughs> funny, right? I like watched that football season as a senior in high school and said, "That's the school I want to go to." It's kind of funny, right? Um, and then the last rapid reaction, Ball State 30, Western Michigan 27. The band is on the field. That is The, the players energy. are on the field. That is the energy we had, Tyler. Talk to me about this ending, please. So basically, uh, Western Michigan down 27 to 30 at the, at the end has, is doing one of the lateral extravaganza plays that every team practices when they have right. a 0.6% chance of winning. Right. Um, and Western Michigan tries it, and at one point it looks like Ball State has fallen on the ball, or um, and that the game is over. The game is won. 
the Ball State players come rushing onto the field. This is a huge win for them, except for, uh-oh, actually, um, Western Michigan isn't done. The ball had not actually been recovered. So they Western Michigan picked it up, ran it, and the ref... I applaud the refs for letting this play out. They straight up let this play out. All they did Western was throw Michigan, flags. Western Michigan picked up the ball, ran through dozens of Ball State celebrating players to get to the end zone, many of which realized the get play was still happening and sprinted back to the sideline. Some of them were like, caught in that weird, like, well, should I just like not move? Like, should I? <laughs> if I, and, if and I West- freeze, they won't notice that I'm here. <laughs> and Western Michigan scored a touchdown, but it was called back because someone did a forward lateral. Unfortunately. We almost had greatness. We almost had greatness. We almost had greatness. That is, ladies and gentlemen, this disappointing. I don't know anything else happened in this game. That's what I call maction. Uh, let's finish off here five wide. Let's let's treat these like rapid reactions, Tyler. Yeah, spent most of this game. Yeah, because I don't uh, want to talk about this first one. Oh, you don't? Oh, actually, I, I actually have things to say. Actually. Okay, Georgia forty nine, <laughs> oh, Missouri I can't fourteen. Not, I can't not talk. Tyler's the idiot that chose Missouri, and I will not. I was you, right Tyler. in the first half. That's why we play all four quarters. That is why we play You're all so right. Quarters. You're so right. I, I got to stop won't playing even lie with to you. you. I, I won't even lie to you. I was doing dishes with this game and on the Apple TV, if you have the ESPN app, this is not a plug, but if you want to drop a bag, you can, sidelinejudgment at gmail.com. On the Apple we TV, no. we will not say no. On the Apple TV, you can, on the ESPN app, you can put up to four games on there at once and just kind of toggle. And I was going back and forth between Bama because I allegedly had some money on the spread, which... That was my like my one bright spot of the weekend. Um, consistency, baby. <laughs> just consistency. <laughs> Nick Saban, you consistent mother effer. Um, so uh, I went over, and I was generally worried about this football game because Missouri had some life in them in the first half. This this is a tale of two halves if ever I've seen one. Um, yeah. I am not here for this JT Daniels hype that's about to happen. And I – okay – rightfully so i'm not saying it's not i just as a florida fan i'm gonna be hating it the whole time because it's actual good jt daniels hype instead of like the fake quarterback hype they typically have mm-hmm. um however i will say that uh I, I what i'm really not here for is the whole oh georgia's actually been the better team this whole season ah uh, that's probably gonna happen to florida here's what's gonna happen georgia's gonna tennessee this offseason and what i mean oh. by that Tennessee, over the past few years, starts off bad because their first games are the games, are the tough ones, Florida, Georgia, Alabama. And then they end up like putting a string of wins together against Kentucky and Vanderbilt and South Carolina. And they finish the season and they get to 500 and they maybe beat in Indiana. They maybe beat in Illinois in a bowl game. And they're like, yes, see, good momentum into the offseason. And then they get to the beginning of the season, and then somehow every journalist in the country falls for it, and they put them in the top 25, and then they go back to losing because they play the tough teams again. That's what's going to happen with Georgia this offseason. They're going to Tennessee this offseason. They're going to hype themselves up with JT Daniels, which I think is more appropriate than Tennessee hyping themselves up. I think they have more Well, there's no proof of concept with Tennessee, and we've seen Georgia be good. (laughs) Exactly. um, So I feel like that's the offseason. They do play Clemson to start the year next year, though. Ooh. Georgia, which I'm so excited for, but um, <laughs> uh, anyway, let's move on from this because let's I don't want to talk about Georgia anymore. I um, got the point. Yeah, Shout but out man's got to stand for something. I I couldn't pick Georgia. Man does have to stand for something, and that man is Sergio standing for North Carolina 62, Miami 26. It's a flip score. It's a flip, baby. <laughs> it's a scoregami. It's a flip. Holy baby. crap! This they game was over them. at halftime. It's Sam Howell. 
come get your Heisman next season. Sam Howell, you it's it's going to be nice. It's going to be fun watching Sam Howell go toe to toe with Spencer Rattler for the Heisman next year. It's it's going to be Mayors. It's going to be fun. It's, it's going to be, be fun. It's going to be fun. Um right. also, I don't think we need to talk more about this uh valiant effort by the University of Miami D Eric Kings. Um but I think the most important part of this game is when uh Sam Howell scored a touchdown in the third quarter. It was such a big blowout. He did the U down and just right yes, there, sir. my heart. That is that is some heart. East Coast horns down crap right there. Like love we it. we stand. We love it. Uh, yeah. Let's just move on. Wisconsin seven, Iowa twenty eight. We both get the points there. I got the point on the Miami on the Miami North Carolina game because Tyler picked Miami like an idiot. Yeah. Uh, but we both picked Iowa. We both get the points. I'm gonna be honest with you. I saw highlights and it was like I haven't seen a snap. It, this game. it was it was boring, dude. It was a I typical honest, Big Ten I, game. I, I, I'll be transparent here. Iowa blew up. Iowa just blew up the line of scrimmage. Wisconsin wants the season to end, dude. Wisconsin is just not there. It's very clear. They're done. They're, they're done. done with this. I don't shit. even think. I don't even think they're gonna want to accept a bulk bid. They're like done. They're done. So that's that. We both get the points, and then we were supposed to get Washington against Oregon. But unfortunately, that game was canceled like two so hours mad. before the game. Very so sad mad. about that. Very sad about that. I love that football game. I'm so mad. That was the whole. That was the whole like thesis of our last podcast, Tyler. It was yeah. all about how much we love the Pac-12 and yeah. this game specifically. And they screwed over. It's like they heard the pod and were like, "How are we gonna make a bad weekend for Sergio and Tyler even worse? Worse. <laughs> worse. Sergio can lose a bunch of money." Let's sprinkle some some fog and a shoe somewhere in the Gator game. And, oh, you know what will really get them? Canceling Washington, Oregon. That'll get them. Yeah. Anyway. It's ridiculous. So we ended the day with USC 43, UCLA 38 in a – oh, in a good game. And this was a good game. In a I good game. I am still a little surprised UCLA found a way to lose it. Can I, have, can I, can I ask a big question that we I should not be asking this late in the pod, but I want to actually dedicate time to in a different episode? Chip Go Kelly. Ahead. Proof of concept? Proof of concept, I would say. Like I think so, right? Um, I think the offense is humming, and I, I don't want to take that away by saying he beat a good team because I, once again, still don't think that USC is very good. <laughs> like, um, you, They're playing for the Pac-12 championship with a 5-0 and record. It, it, that doesn't matter. Um, but who, who are they playing? UCLA, Washington? Like, I don't even know. Um, I think it's Washington. I, I, don't know, I don't know how the Washington-Oregon game factors into this. I, I haven't checked. Mm-hmm. Um, UCLA... I have said this before, and I still believe it. UCLA is one of the teams that's going to benefit, just like Colorado, I think, kind of does too. They're going to benefit from a shortened season. Yep. They, this is one of those things. They're three and three. They're five hundred. Like, they're going to go. To, they're probably going to go to a bowl. Um, I think that UCLA is steadily improved, and I think this was a good year for them to have this moment where mm-hmm. they got to be three and three and improve on all aspects of the you know throw uh growing as a football team and yet they're not going to be three and nine they'll be three and three like there's momentum going into next season and usc usc take a lesson i never usually uh encourage taking lessons from people at auburn but take a lesson from auburn (laughs) um and recognize where good will not become great so just wait just just get rid of clay helm so what you're saying is Gus bows on to USC. Oh, wait. Oh, I like this, actually. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have time. We don't have time. We don't have time. We will okay. tackle that at a we'll different time. We'll talk about time. that later. Uh, we both get the points on that one. The two-point conversion 
Uh, Tyler, as we said before, Arizona State demolished Arizona. Uh, he gets his two. And Army beats Navy. I get my two points. Tyler, I, wanna zero. Just, I just want to make a point here. I get it. It's tradition. It's one of the most special games. We have to go to one of those games eventually. We to- we said one it day. to We promised each other we were going to go to this game one day. But Tyler, why do we keep lying ourselves to saying that we enjoy watching the Army-Navy game? It's it's like a mandatory rite of passage as college football fans. But dude, this game was three to well, nothing I, in the I, third I, quarter, and I and it was going up against the same time. This proved that why do we do this? Because you know what I could, you know what I was actually watching, Tyler. I was watching Sam Howell put on a passing clinic on ABC with North Carolina. Like, yeah. why do I? Why do we lie to ourselves? Is it because it's the only game on that day? Usually in a typical year. Is that the reason? Why do we lie ourselves? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a large part of it. And that's the reason okay. I love it when it happens is that it's the one game on. So uh-huh. you could appreciate it. Additionally, yeah. there are there have been way better Army-Navy games. This was actually yeah. a bad Army-Navy this game. This was a like, bad I want to clarify that. This like, was a bad This game. is one of the worst to watch Army-Navy games. But, like, it's the tradition, I think. And when it's on its own, when you don't have any other football bracketing it, mm-hmm. you could appreciate it. But, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I, I watched it. A little bit, but I kept flipping back and forth between different channels. That's 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 how I went. I actually went out during this game to to spend some time with the family. We played outside a bit and stuff. Like it, it was definitely a. Uh, it was a. Uh, are you gonna miss this game? Like, no, you know, I'll I, I'll be yeah, fine. I think I'll pass. I think I'll be fine. The fog actually went from West Point all the way down to Gainesville. It kind of traveled in its own form. So, yeah. all right, Tyler. The score to date: Tyler fifty six, Sergio fifty one. Next week, next episode, we will be picking. Every single conference championship game. Tyler, we will be debuting and reintroducing the rules for our conference championship um, matchup. We will pick all the games. And it is my last opportunity to come in clutch. And let's just say there will be a lot of attention paid being paid to the MAC title and the Sunbelt <laughs> title and the Conference USA title. Because we we are pretty consistent on the Power 5 ones. But I'm, we're going to need to go in there. Deep dive. We're going to deep, deep dive. Deep dive this research for the lower level group of five games. Uh, I'm just saying there may or may not be a lot weighing on the on the Louisiana uh, Coastal Carolina. Con- That's going to be a good one, though. Like, that, might, that, that arguably might be the most exciting. I think that's the best game. like just game. There's an argument for Clemson Notre Dame because of how it went the first time. Okay, and Trevor, yeah, I, I, and what Trevor am I talking not, about? <laughs> well, Trevor not playing before, but but you could like I will listen as the judge and jury. I will listen to arguments and take them seriously. That Louisiana Billy Napier's Louisiana swan song uh, before he goes to Auburn against going an undefeated up Coastal Carolina against an undefeated Coastal game who had a game winning uh, touchdown at the end against Troy kind of saved their season there. Uh, yeah, gonna be fun. Gonna be fun to watch. Tyler, quickly, your moment of the week. I know it was a dark sports weekend, but give us some brightness. To end it may the have week. been, but there is one game where, uh, you know, it was it was pretty it was pretty awesome. I, I was going to make an analogy, but I, I fumbled it there. It doesn't matter because Sarah Fuller scored two points, making the first woman to score a point in Power Five football history. That is history right there. Yes. Um, and if you watch her go to the sideline, you know that none of that is contrived. Her teammates were genuinely happy for her. One of the coaches gave her the smelling salts after her first PA teammate, which amazing. <laughs> I love that. I just I loved it that her teammates were genuinely happy for her. I I couldn't be more proud of us as a sport for having this moment. Agreed. And, I mean, I got I just gotta say that PAT down the middle, right down the middle, just right. And down I wanna the and I wanna point out to a bunch of people. There were people saying that Tennessee 
kind of was playing some kind of prevent defense and not really rushing. I want you to look at Alex Kirshner's Twitter account where he puts a tweet out of multiple. He was like, I didn't really think I had to show this, but here are multiple occasions where Tennessee is just like playing the same type of defense on an extra point because that's just the way they do things. Is it wrong? Yeah. Probably, but it's Tennessee. We've expected it's consistent. that. Ugh. Consistent. I will say that. So I mean, shout and, out to and, her. Hey, Dan Bailey uh, missed like four field goals today. So, you know, it's just yeah, missing field goal. I mean, making missing field, field goals, goals must be just, just, and just a terribly easy athletic feat that no one mm-hmm. could screw up. So, like, it's not a big deal when a woman does it. I just, I cannot believe. Oof. Oh, man, I know. It's whatever. We're, we just, don't have, to, we don't have time to Stop telling on yourself, people. Exactly. Exactly. Your misogyny is showing, gentlemen. So, um, that's your moment of the week. And I think that is also my moment of the week in spirit. That's fine. I'm going to give you a different one because, you know, we got to each have one in content. I mean, there were um, two PATs, so I think it's two moments. Does click. Two moments. Like, I think it, I, it clarifies. I do want to yeah. shout out to, um, my quarterback, Tua Tungabailoa, who I know that we lost today to the Chiefs. Um, and that's how bad my sports weekend was. I'm finding a positive moment of the week in a, in a loss to the Chiefs. Uh, Boy, I was happy when my team lost. (laughs) Yeah, because your hashtag tanking works. Hashtag tanking works. There was a moment in this game where the Dolphins were down 30 to 10 against the Chiefs, and Tua brought us back, spurred on and inspired by a disgustingly good Xavier Howard interception. One-handed, Odell Beckham-esque, fantastic. So all all of the Dolphins' skill position players were out. He was throwing the ball to Antonio Callaway, Lynn Bowden Jr., um... Was Malcolm, Malcolm Perry, Perry there? Like he's throwing to Patrick. Mike Kosicki went out in the game with <laughs> an injury. Like he was the only starter that normally. And there were three rookie offensive linemen, and Tua drove consistently, boom, boom, boom. And at the end of the game, he drives, gets the field goal, backdoor cover. Let's go. Good teams <laughs> win. Great teams cover. Let's go. Yeah, you're not wrong. The future's bright you're with do- with the Dolphins. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, we got I a great, agree. arguably I, I the best defense. Have. And you will, Tyler, they, because they put why? Gardner Minshew back out onto the field because hashtag tanking works. Because they put Gardner Minshew back out onto the field today, which he is clearly better than Mike Glennon, in my opinion. But also, you, you, were you worried there for a second? I put run the wildcat at this point. I don't want to win. Should we trade you? I genuinely so you can run. The thank Kentucky God it was against the Titans. Who thank God it was against the Titans who own us. Like. Yeah. Um, should I? Should we trade you Lin Bowden Jr. so you can run the Kentucky offense from last year? Yes, that please. <laughs> no, that that'd be too good. That'd be too good. Because that was good. That. that worked. <laughs> Lin Bowden and James Robinson in the same backfield is not. Can't do it. Can't it's do not it. a recipe for losing football. I need recipes <laughs> for losing football here, Sergio. We're so close. <laughs> oh man! All right, Tyler. Uh, thank, I mean, we're, thank God we're playing the Ravens next week. Um, right. Good for your fantasy team. Um, uh, if we if I survive this week, you will survive. I'm, you I'm will currently survive. down. I'm currently down. I. I needed that bye week and I didn't get it. I'm currently down to Andy and I'm going to waste a fantastic fantasy week if I don't get it. But oh, Listen, let's hope for the best in fantasy. Let's hope for the best for our Gators moving forward. We will be back next episode talking about all the conference championship games. Uh, we will be finalizing the five wide and two point uh, situation that we have going on here. So without further ado, Tyler, anything else you want to say? Uh, let's just not lose sight of the fact that we uh, we get to play in a conference championship game next week. So, conference championship, um, small moral victories because we need them after victory. after this weekend. We not need an them. excuse, but something to hang your hat on. <laughs> uh, this has been another episode of Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And don't think we forgot Kyle Trask for Heisman. Kyle Trask for Heisman.